Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. The church is complicated and it's confusing, it's fraught. Um, Which church? Whose church? Right church? Wrong church? Red church? Blue church? (laughs) Old church? New church? Mall church? Small church? It's about as confusing as a Dr. Seuss book, right? It's also, uh, when we start to think about the church, we start to think about maybe, if you're cynical especially, um, and maybe if you feel like you're on the outside of the church, uh, you start to think about all the things that are wrong with it. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi famously said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And I think you could insert church And we could probably agree. We could probably say the same thing. I like your Christ. I do not like your church. Your church is so unlike your Christ. I think whether you're inside the church or you're outside the church, there's probably some way that you can nod your head to Gandhi right there. Um, I want to also say, I think we're also going to see how maybe Gandhi got it a little bit wrong, that there is a lot of truth in what he said, but there's also some error. Um, So, man, even someone as wise as Gandhi, the church befuddles him. it's, it's, It's puzzling. You know, Christ and the church, they seem like they are just things that are so distant, so separate. You know, the church often doesn't reflect Christ. So, We're going to talk tonight about the body of Christ, how the church is the body of Christ, how there's this identification or or, or union between the church and Christ tonight. And how can that be when there's so much wrong with the church and there's so much right with Christ? How can these two things be in union? Um, We have to go back to the source in any topic that's confusing, right? In any topic that's complicated, we have to go back to uh, the Word of God. God made up this whole thing, the church. Uh, He created it. He created all things. And in His Word, we see actually pretty directly and clearly teaching on the church. And Colossians 1 is a great example of that clear and direct teaching on the church. So, uh, tonight, this is actually going to be a two-part uh, thing on the body of Christ. We're going through a whole semester of, of metaphors. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about the bride. We'll talk about the, the church as the flock and Jesus as the shepherd. We'll talk about uh, the church being the vine. All those metaphors. So all those, all those poetic uh, ways that um, God talks about the church, we're going to try to tease out and see from different perspectives, different angles, who the church is and like why that matters, not just for Christians, but for the whole world. Um, so next week, we're going to also be talking about the body of Christ, but we're going to be talking about uh, the body and its parts. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about Christ as the head of the body. Next week, we'll be talking about all the parts and how those relate to the rest of the body. All right, so I want to do this in three different uh, parts. The first is going to be about disconnection and alienation. The second part is going to be about union and reconciliation. 
Uh, and then the last part is going to be about head rules. <laughs> Sorry, that I'm trying to be clever here. Sometimes that's when I go wrong. So um, disconnected and alienated. A 2022 journal article in Scientific Reports uh, studies the phenomenon of people experiencing increased signs of the psychological condition called depersonalization. Um, has anybody ever heard of this? Um, so what they did is they did a study uh, during COVID-19 lockdown for people experiencing um, increased use of digital media-based activities and online social e-meetings, in other words, Zoom meetings, and they found that it correlated with higher feelings of depersonalization. Now, depersonalization is where you feel disconnected from your body and you feel disconnected from the world, maybe at the same time. So it kind of feels like you're this head, kind of floating, and you can kind of even just kind of see objectively your body and you feel like kind of disembodied in a sense. And with respect to the world, maybe you feel just like kind of disconnected, like you're just kind of floating and that this world around you, the people around you aren't really real. So this is a psychological uh, pathology that's usually related to trauma and abuse, but they found that it was occurring during the COVID-19 lockdown when you're talking to people and all you see are their heads you're focused on a screen all day, and you start to feel disconnected from your own self, your own body. And I think maybe there's some lingering uh, bit of that going on where we're still, we, we can still find ourselves, especially if we have like a phone addiction, um, we can still find ourselves being, uh, feeling depersonalized because we're so connected in one sense, we feel so disconnected. And I think this is a good kind of like way of thinking about our, our modern culture right now that sometimes we feel so connected. There's so much information. There's so much ability to be uh, in touch with friends you never wanted to stay in touch with. Um, and yet there's so much loneliness and isolation and fragmentation. You can be in a room full of people and feel incredibly alone. Um, it's no surprise that uh, in, in light of this that we see trends of people trying to reconnect with their bodies. Breathing is really in right now, right? <laughs> it's like, talking about going back to basics. People are going back to breathing, you know? How, when's the last time you thought about how you breathe? Maybe some of you are doing this. It's a way to get connected back to just the basic functions of your body. How do you breathe? How do you take in air? Uh, we, we um, you know, there's a lot of um, stretching is really in right now as well. Like the thing you hated in cross country uh, practice, like that's cool. Uh, that's the thing that you should do when you're 38 and you're getting older. Um, we want to feel like we have something that's grounded and physical and connected because we live in this kind of ephemeral, digital, always fragmented, always changing world, right? And we're alone and we see the disunity, we see the fragmentation in politics, and everywhere we see things feel disconnected. And so we go to relationships and we think, okay, here's, here's how I'm going to feel connected. Maybe it's a romantic connection. Maybe it's a friendship. And you think, this is where I'm going to not feel lonely anymore. And then you remember, ouch, people hurt. People do mean things. I do mean things to other people. This is really 
difficult. When it comes connecting uh, to a higher power, when it comes to thinking about God, it's sort of like, man, I can't even connect to people around me. I can't even connect to my world. I feel disconnected. I feel fragmented and discombobulated. How in the world am I going to connect to this spiritual world, this spiritual power? And so you can begin to see how the church becomes like this, this kind of like irrelevant, probably like this last place you would ever think to go to solve any of these kinds of issues, right? Maybe it actually is your story that you've been in a church your whole life and it's been in the church that you've experienced the most loneliness and fragmentation and disconnection from God. I um, went to the doctor last week to figure out what I had and she said, I'm going to test you for the flu. And it was like, when you hear it, it's like, that's what I got. I know that's what I got. You know, sometimes it's so nice to just hear someone like, just be like spot on. You nailed it. That's what I have. Uh, Because you can begin to feel like, okay, maybe now we can go towards a solution. Um, You might be surprised that the Bible because it's the word of God, and there's something mysterious about that, it anticipates modern realities. In verse 21 of chapter 1, it says this, and I know I'm just jumping right into the middle of the whole passage, but it says, you who were once alienated, alienated. Maybe that puts a finger on the way that we can feel in our modern world. We don't belong. We feel detached from one another. We feel unanchored. We feel out alone. We feel disconnected from reality, from relationship, disconnected from God. And everything we do seems to make it worse and remind us that we're alienated. We're estranged. We're different. Something doesn't fit right about us. The ache of the human soul is for connection. It's for belonging. It's for unity. All of us have a God-given, created desire to be connected, to be the opposite of alienated, to belong, to feel at home, uh, to be known, and to be loved. Everything we do, we strive for that in some way. And there's really good news in this passage for us. I'm going to read again just that um, section 19 through 22. For in Jesus, in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Christ Jesus was born with a body like ours, and it matters that we're talking about a a physical body. And he lived on this very earth. He breathed this very 
heir, living a life like no one else's, taking on a punishment on the cross that should have been ours in his death on the cross, and rising from the dead like no one else could, like none of us could. And it's by his physical blood that he shed on the cross. And it's by that blood alone that we can be reconciled to the creator. We can be reconciled to God. And in being reconciled to God, we can be reconciled horizontally to others. There can be an undoing of the alienation, of the fragmentation because of sin. It's the power of God that can break the power of alienation. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. To have been united to the body, the literal physical body of Christ, in his death and resurrection, spiritually, by faith, such that, get this, It was as if you hung on that cross and you shed your own blood and you were laid in that tomb and you rose again on the third day. Mysteriously, miraculously, by the power of God, what it means to believe in Jesus and receive his blood as a covering for your sin, it's as if it was you that day, 2,000 years ago, on Calvary. That's how real it was. And all who are a part of the church are the body of Christ in that sense. Maybe you, you thought, oh, the body of Christ, of course, it's just a body of people, right? We're just a, just a group of people. There's so much more to it than that. We are united to the body of Christ. So the church is the crucified and raised body of Christ living today, united to him by faith. And and what I mean by that is I I, I don't mean um, that, you know, Christ is somewhere laying in a tomb and that we we kind of like, you know, keep trudging on. (laughs) I'm not saying that we are inspired by Christ, that we live kind of in light of his good example. No, I'm saying we are the body of Christ, meaning that we have no life spiritually apart from him. And that he is alive today means that we will be alive with him forever. There is a vital spiritual union that has taken place between us and Christ. This is massive stuff. And if this is not something that you can say of yourself that that you have not been united to Christ by faith, that you have not taken on his blood to cover your sin, there is still time. There is still time to believe. And in, in joining the church, and joining the body of Christ, um, the, the kind of initiative, um, the, the initiation, if you will, is baptism, to join the body of Christ and be baptized. You are, are covered um, with his blood, you are, um, you are um, crucified with him and raised with him in that sign of baptism. We won't go much more into that 
But the other sacrament of the church is communion or the Lord's Supper. And I want to I look at this in, in, in terms of what it means to be the church and the body of Christ. Um, in the Lord's Supper, which my church, we do it weekly, and I love that. I grew up doing it like quarterly or something. I barely remember ever doing it. Um, but weekly, we go to a table um, and, and we're given, you know, ordinary bread and ordinary wine. It's really good wine, but um, it's actually wine. Yeah, it, it, it actually doesn't matter if your church does, does grape, grape juice. That's fine uh, because it's, it's, a, it's a symbol uh, of something spiritual that's really happening. So when you take that bread and when you take that wine and I do it weekly, um, I am spiritually nourished by it. So in a sense, we could say to be the body, you must first take and eat the body of Christ, right? We take and eat the body of Christ. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. The body of Christ takes and eats the body of Christ, right? Now, this is sounding really weird and mysterious. If you're just walking in now or just... Coming in on the podcast. Hello, folks. Um, uh, we're talking about a, a spiritual thing that is happening here. But it is real. Um, so this is some of what it means to be the body of Christ. That it really, to be the church, it's all about Jesus and what he did in his death and in his resurrection. And without that, we are, we are dead. We are alienated. Uh, we are undone. Uh, but in Colossians 1.18, it says that he is the head, that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, that he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, it's a, so we're the body of Christ, but Christ is the head of the body. All right, let's think about what it means for Christ to be the head of this body. All right, so I'm not a biology major, but the head's pretty important, right? Uh, the, the guillotine existed long ago for a reason, right? The, the head matters, right? And you lop it off, something's happening. No head, you're dead. Um, the, the functions of the head control the rest of the body. Like, like it doesn't take a lot to, to, to see that. Right. And, and it, um, if you go down in history and are famous enough to have a bust made of you, right, they don't make it of your knee. They make it of your head. Right. The head of the body, you, you know, if you have a statue made of you, it's, it's just like the, the head. Right. It's called a bust. Um, your head matters more than any other part of your body. Right. Um, it's face time, not toe time. Uh, the head is hands down the most important part of your body. I have to include some puns to keep you guys um, uh, awake. Um, the head is so important, right? Uh, the head like controls so many functions of your body. To, so to say that Christ is the head of the church uh, is saying that he matters. Without him, the body is dead. But Christ is alive. And the body is alive. Now, th there's another sense that you can be a head, right? The head of state, head of a department. Uh, there's authority there, right? 
there's authority. We, you know, with our head, we govern what we do with our arms. Most of us can, you know, um, I, I don't have great um, hand-eye coordination, but you get the point. Um, so what this means for us in the church is there is no person that stands in for Christ as the ultimate authority in the church. That it is a very unique institution and in that it's saying that Christ is the head. He is the preeminent authority in the church. Now this has all sorts of implications. Um, well, it means that, that Christ's word, therefore, that the Bible is the authority on which the church rests its teaching, its plans, its mission, that we go to it and hear from Christ, our head, to understand what it means to be the church. Uh, it means that any leaders in the church, any elders, pastors, are under shepherds or temporary vice rulers, that they were they are merely stewards of what is rightfully Christ and always has been and always will be. Um, this really matters. And we also, when you join a church, we judge the leadership of the church. We judge the preaching of the church by how well they make Christ preeminent in all things. Do they glorify Christ? Are they there to make themselves look good to others? We are in an internet age and therefore uh, image, um, you know, TikTok edits of pastors that sound way better than me and look way better than me. Um, are the people that you're listening to, are they making much of Christ? That's a good way of thinking about how you're thinking about preaching, how you're thinking about a church leader. Um, so we've been talking about um, two things generally and I'm going to try to land the plane here. That we're longing, all longing for belonging and unity. And then I kind of took a left turn and I talked about the authority of Christ. How do these two things relate? How do these both come together in Christ as the head of the body, um, which is the church? Well, I think there's a repressed desire in our modern humanity to be led to submit to virtuous, emphasis on virtuous authority. Um, our age has seen the end of supreme leaders, um, and it's an age of the supreme self. Right? We are the ultimate authority that we see in our lives. We get the final say. Um, but we long to be led. We are, in fact, made to be under authority that is deserving of our total and complete submission and surrender. What do I mean by that? Um, there, there, there are two things that, that kind of follow from that. One, it means that there are a ton of narcissists out there looking for you to submit to them totally and so surrender to their authority totally. And a lot of us have fallen into that because we want to be led. We want to follow. In fact, we were made to lead. So we really have to be careful for people who claim to be heads of the church because they could be wolves. They could be narcissists. And another thing that follows 
is that the only way we truly belong is if we are led rightly by Christ. You see, we need a leader, we need a ruler who is not just going to rule and be head, but he's also going to save us. He's also going to come down from his throne and take on the cross. The church and Christ are inseparable in both concept and practice. Um, The Bible doesn't allow for a churchless Christianity or a Christless church. If we are to be called out for our sin, let us be first to repent and tell of the blood of cross. So so this is going back to to Gandhi's um, quote. What we can say yes and amen to is that a lot of Christians maybe most Christians, maybe all Christians, that the church does not look like Christ. Yes, that is right. Not yet. And if there's anything good to say about the church, if there's anything good to say about Christians, let's all point our fingers to Jesus, the one who is preeminent. But let me end with this, that the scandal of Christianity is that even though Christians are the most unlikable, are the most unlike Christ, that Jesus likes Christians enough to die for them, enough to save them, enough to reconcile them to himself, enough to bring them into his fold, a motley crew of sinners to be made into the likeness of Christ. So we can say to Gandhi, that's actually the entire point. Yeah, but our Jesus, our God, likes the unlikable Christians. And he is changing us into the image of his son. That's good news. We need him. And if we need him, we need his body. We need the church. We need each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for uh, the good news of the church, which if I said that at the beginning, that would have been a weird thing to say. But there's only good news in the church because of Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Lord, let that be the main thing we wear on our sleeves, Lord. Not our self-righteousness, not our own holiness, but Lord, you and your holiness, your righteousness, and your power to make us clean and to make us new. Lord, would this humility, would this confidence and the preeminence of Christ uh, be something that um, we are known for, that RUF is known for. Lord, we pray this by the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.